The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. It had been, according to his little journal that he kept with him, he had filled up 12 or 13 of them now. 9,248 days of being dumped here on the steps. He knew it was 9,248 because every day he was here, he made a little tick mark there and he had kept track of what they were. 9,248 straight days of being dumped here, hoping for a handout, hoping somebody would give him a bit of money to take care of him, to food and medical, insurance, whatever. If you your Bibles, Acts chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you today, you can uh, go on your mobile device and just Google Acts 3 NLT. Uh, we have uh, guest, uh, Crosspoint guest is the uh, way to, to access the internet. I don't know where you're at today. I mean, you might feel like today it's been 9,248 days of a marriage or my kids, or my job, or health issues, where you just feel like, uh, you feel like this guy we're going to learn about today, been crippled since birth, and we're going to find out he'd been crippled for 40 years, and every day they had dumped him here at a gate, hoping to get a handout. Peter and John... This is Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth. In your Bibles, taking notes and stuff like that, pen or pencil in the margin there, put down chapter 4, just 4 colon 22. We're going to find out there he's been lame for more than 40 years. A man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, which is just awfully ironic and terrible. Crippled since birth, and you're put at the beautiful gate, and you're... So he could beg from the people going into the temple, because the best place to beg for people is religious people that feel obligated, right? We're coming to church. We better help this guy out a little bit. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And it wasn't just Peter and John. He was asking everybody that was going in. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Another way to write that down maybe is pay attention. The lame man looked at them, and in my Bible I have this bolded, underlined, circled here, eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold. And those next two words there are very important. We'll get back to them later. I don't have any silver and gold for you. But I'll give you what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand. I'd point that out in my Bible. I've been a Christian now for a lot of years doing church stuff and spoken on this message. Never seen this little point. We're going to get to it later. Just it's important. And helped him up. And as he did... The man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began 
to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Into the temple. He'd been outside the temple for 40 years, now inside the temple. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often as the beautiful, at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. When's the last time you came to church absolutely astounded? As opposed to, let's wear the stinking mask again. This is dumb. This is stupid. How come the lights are blinking during worship? Don't they know what's going on back there? I'm hoping we have once in a while we get astounded. Now, the reason they're astounded is because some stuff went down that day at church that didn't ordinarily happen. This guy, they'd been walking by this guy for 40 years. Maybe not 40, maybe 30 plus years. He'd been put there at 10 years old. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. An ordinary day at church. Now, again, I know it's not an ordinary day at church for us because, like, the chairs are back normal, right? <laughs> We're super excited. Some of you are more excited about that than about Jesus, but that's okay. Um, you got a problem, you'll repent and get right with God. Um, and Peter and John are, look, this guy shows up at church. They, they haven't booked a healing pastor to come in. They didn't have, like, oh, man, Peter and John are apostles of Jesus because apostles of Jesus right now means, like, eh, so. It means nothing right now. They'd walk by this guy over and over again. Peter and John are going one day to, to go to the temple for the afternoon prayer service. That's what they did back in that culture. And they bump into this guy. And rather than just calling him the lame dude at the temple, let's give him a name. What, what should we call him? Fred? Any better names than Fred? No. Fred works. We'll use Fred. Here's Fred, the, the lame guy at the temple. See, what I want to tell you today, too, is you may have shown up for church today, and maybe not today, but at some point in the future, and you just show up to church because that's what you do, and you like what we do here, and you're good here. What's going to happen today is going to blow your whole world up. And I'm not saying it's going to happen for you today, but there's a person or two here today. You've been like Fred. Jump out of the story with me here. You may not be physically paralyzed, but mentally spiritually, emotionally, you're as jacked up and messed up as Fred is. And, and you have, for years, pretended that you were fine in your marriage. Our, our kids are fine. It's, I, I call it the Christian four-letter F word. Fine. You know what fine stands for, right? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and exhausted. And what COVID did for us is revealed how fine you really were. Because and, and here's what I found out. The people that looked the finest before COVID, you were the worst of all of us. Because you did a great job pretending everything was great and wonderful and awesome, and some of you are a disaster. And the, the truth is, the people that always look the best and the greatest are the ones I worry the most about when I first meet you. Because I know you're not that fine. Some of you are going, why did we come to this church today? He's just calling us disasters. Oh, it just gets better. Trust me. Now, what's happening here? Just to get the trajectory, we're in this series of the book of Acts. We've been here episode 9 or 10 today. Uh, we're just to chapter 3. There's 28 chapters. We're going to be here for a long time. Um, but here's what's happening today. Um, this is the first miracle that the apostles do that Luke records for us. And what happens now is we're going to see something happen, and then the apostles, the leaders, explain it. 
They get called to account by the religious and political authorities. And what happens now is the tension and the opposition starts to intense. And this, what happens here in the next couple chapters here, they kind of get their hands slapped a little bit. Nothing, no big deal. Hey, knock it off. They kind of get told to cease and desist. It gets worse and worse till we get to chapter 7 and 8 and 9. We meet a guy named Saul who is going around to terrorize the church to, to not just tell them to stop it, but to kill them and, and put them in prison. Uh, so that's the, the, the pattern we're going to see now with several of these incidents that are, are going to happen. As the guy shows up there at church, he's at, at the temple gate here. He has his hand out. Maybe he has a cup. Hey, any spare change? Help me out. Need to get some, some food. Got to pay for some medication. Want to get me get a place to stay tonight? I, we don't know, again, what his story is, what Fred's story is. But he's there to get money to help provide some basic needs for his life because he can't do a regular job at all. Peter and John go walking by on an ordinary day at church, and something happens that day. Something happens, and they, this guy gets their attention. Now, again, we sometimes read the Bible, and we just read it like, like we read a, a blog, or we read like a CNN news report, and just go, fact, 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 and don't climb into the story and go, wait, what happened here? Because, you know, Peter and John have been walking by this guy now for 30 or 40 years when they went to the temple. You know who else walked by this guy? Jesus walked by this guy. Jesus went to the temple all the time. Maybe you're like that today. Maybe you're like Fred today. It just occurred to me that maybe you're like that. You go, man, I've got a mess in my life and a mess in my marriage. I guess got a mess. I got, I got crippling kinds of things going on in my heart, soul, mind, and body. And Jesus just keeps passing by. He's helping heal that guy over there and that marriage over there. What about mine? Does he not see me? I've heard about this Jesus of Nazareth that can do all these crazy things. Just keeps walking right by me. Something's going to happen this day, on day 9,248. Think about that. Again, climb inside the story. That's, let's figure that's about 30 years, because probably it, you don't put a little child there to beg, maybe. Let's say they wait until he's 10 years old. Put him out there. Think about where you were. Think about how old you were 30 years ago. I was 29. Still had some hair. Shut up. <laughs> It's you fools that have done this to me. <laughs> but uh, think 30 years ago, and think for thir- every day now for 30 years. Think about where you were, whatever age you were then. You've been put out here every single day. And just think, what's the point? Just here to get some money, here to get some help with my basic needs, just to get by. And today is going to be a breakthrough moment for him for Fred, it might be a breakthrough moment for you. Let's just see what happens here. Uh, he asked them for money. Peter and John say, hey, pay attention. Look at us. We live in a world of distractions and options. And the distractions and options aren't bad. Uh, our, our families aren't bad. Our, our work isn't bad. Those of you that are in school with young children, those of you who have uh, mobile devices, all of us do right now. Right now, I can update you on the score of what's going on in a particular game. Those of you that are Dodger fans, you are at church today, hoping your team wins since you came to church, right? Um, you know who you are. <laughs> and there's Padre fans sitting right next to Dodger fans who are praying God's curse on that team. Um, but we can be distracted by that. Like, I'm, not, I'm not here to... Sometimes we can moralize this and phones are bad and technology. No, it's not. It's a good thing. It can be a distraction. 
All the options we have out here, especially in Southern California, think about what we have here available to us. You can be at the beach, you can be at the mountains, you can be at the desert, you can be at Disneyland, you can be at a sporting event, you can be sitting at a winery, you can be at a pool. You can, there's all these options out here available to us. And once in a while, God goes, I want to do something in your life, but hey, pay attention. Because of the distractions, we sometimes miss God going, I want, I want to do something here, but you're going to miss it. Because here's what's happening for Fred that day. He puts his cup out for money. If he doesn't get it from them, you know what he's going to do? Next, 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 going to the next time. Peter and John go, I got something for you here today. But in order to get it, you got to stay, you got to stay focused. You got to pay attention. I wonder what distractions are out there. I wonder if God's asking, hey, do you need to pay a little more attention to me? Strategically, systematically, um, intentionally, proactively paying attention to who God is and what God wants to say and do in your life. It says, they say, look at us, and it says there in verse 5, he looked at them eagerly expecting some money. Hey, they said, pay attention. and go, oh, maybe these guys are loaded. They're saying, pay attention. Maybe there's, maybe that's going to be some spare change. Maybe there's going to be some, some paper coming in, in, the, in the cup today. Maybe it's not going to jingle. It's going to ruffle as it goes. And maybe, maybe he's going to really do something significant. He's eagerly expecting to get some money. You'll see there in your note sheet, it says unmet expectations. Maybe write this down today. There's, for those of you that love to take notes and fill in the blanks, I don't have any for you today. But I have a do things I'm going to have you write down. They won't be up on the screen. Maybe for God to do the unexpected in your life, you have to get rid of all your expectations of what you want him to do for you. Yeah. Uh, see, here's unmet expectations. Some of us come to church, come to a place of church where we have felt needs. God, my marriage, my finances, addiction problems, stuff that I've got going on. I want God to do something here to take care of some real felt needs. And God certainly will do some of that for you. But God goes, I got something better for you than just taking care of your immediate felt needs right here, right now. Um, Peter and John, you'll see here it says, we don't have any silver or gold for you. Peter and John had silver or gold. Peter and John are not poor. They're, they're not wealthy people at any stretch. Peter and John have money. They're not saying, the reason we're not giving, the reason they're not giving to Fred today is not because they don't have any money, like they're destitute and poor too. They're not giving to Fred today because they go, we got something better for you today than just keeping you comfortable outside, paralyzed outside the city gates. We got something better for you. And they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What they're telling Fred, and this guy, this is the mission of our church here today, the cause of Jesus Christ. We are one of the kingdom outposts in the great kingdom of God that Jesus established 2,000 years ago. We are not interested in keeping you comfortable, paralyzed outside the gates. We can do that for you. We can give you classes. We can give you some money. We can give you some resources. It'll keep you broken and paralyzed sitting outside the gate. What we want to say is rise up and walk. We don't have silver or gold for you. You know, we do have some silver or gold. For your guys' you guys' giving over the years, 
how we've, our, our board and our leadership team have been diligent and been wise and how they've managed church resources. There's silver or gold there for you, but here's the mission of the Church of Jesus. Especially in the 21st century, especially in Southern California, we sometimes think it's going to be our sophisticated strategy, it's going to be our cutting-edge technology, amazing sound systems, lights that don't flash and blink randomly in the middle of, of the worship set that completely destroys the ambience of what we're trying to get done here. Yeah, we, we think that it's going to be all that stuff that's going on here. Guys, I'm telling you today, we don't have that for you here. Now, we might have a bit of that. We, might, we, we don't want to have a lame sound system. We have guys back there running sound to make sure it's good, to make sure there's not distractions, and make sure it's a quality experience. But the way your marriage, the way your life, your relationship with God is going to be transformed is not going to be through our techniques of just meeting your felt needs. We're going to say to you, you are, you are a wretched mess. You are paralyzed spiritually outside the gates of our relationship with God, and we're going to say to you, rise up and walk. We're not going to keep you comfortable outside the gates. Not interested in doing that for you. Now, um, there's probably more I could say about that. But let's keep moving. You'll notice here in verse 7. In verse 6 it says, hey, rise up and walk. And you see what Peter does next here? I had never seen this before. It says, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did... The man's feet and ankles were instantly healed. You know that sometimes in order for a miracle to happen, people need a hand? And look, they don't need a handout. Just keeping them stuck there. They need this. Hey, buddy, take my hand. Take my hand here. And I'll help you up. See, here's what's happening for some of us today. Some of us that are here today, some of us are going to meet people like this, know people like this in our community. We, we come with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We come and tell them, hey, there's answers, there's hope, and there's help for you in the name of Jesus. And come on, just believe. And they sit there, lame, crippled, paralyzed, repeating the same stupid stuff that got them in that same stupid situation over and over again. What they need is for the body of Christ, for the church of Jesus, to come say, look, we'll get down on one knee and we'll take you by the hand and help you up. We'll take you and help that. And what that means is here, as you see it here, you offering a helping hand, there's nothing miraculous in that. There's, super, there's Spirit's power giving you insight by the Holy Spirit that indwells you as a Christian to, to reach down like that. You know where the miracle happens? The miracle happens because they helped get him up to his feet. And as he got up to his feet, all of a sudden, bing, I don't know what he felt. I don't know what Fred felt that day. If there was tingling there all of a sudden, but all of a sudden he's going. And see, Fred has an option here. Um, he, he just feels like he's stuck. He's been carried in this is day 9,248. What are these fools reaching down and saying, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk, and he's putting his hand out to me. Like, dude, I've been crippled for 40 years. This is dumb, this is stupid, this is lame. Just go away and leave me alone because some people feel so stuck. This might be you, stuck in your religion, stuck in your brokenness, stuck in your addiction, stuck in just your, hmm, maybe just stuck in your eh, complacent Christian faith. We've, here, here's what, where I think, hmm, where I think modern day evangelical Christianity is is we, we, we somehow have mistaken the idea that because you're American, because you're born into, we have in God we trust on our money, we ought to put an L in between O and D in there, and that would be really what we trust in. Some of you will get that in a second. 
But we think somehow that we're Christians because we go to church. We think we're Christians because we believe the right things. We have demonic kind of faith. The demons believe that stuff and tremble. And so we just stay stuck there and think, what's the point? Maybe write these words down today. Aggravation, frustration, resignation. This is where some of us get. If you went through some trauma in your life, at the beginning of it, there was anger and aggravation. Just, I can't believe this has happened to me. And you shake your fist at God, or you point your, fing- you point your finger at your children that are breaking your heart, or at your spouse, or at your company, or, or whatever it is that did it, and you're aggravated, and you're just, aggravation is there. And then at some point, you don't have enough energy to stay aggravated. <laughs> aggravation gives way to frustration. I wish she was better at that. I'm kind of stupid. You roll your eyes, and just, you're frustrated. Still paralyzed, your marriage, your finances, your kids, your, your relationship with God, your, your pornography addiction, your food addiction, your spending addiction, well, all those things are there. You're just, you're frustrated with it, and then it gets to a point after it goes on long enough, you know what happens? Eh. Resignation. It's just the way it is. Nothing to do about it. When you've been 9,248 days here dumped at the temple gate, at some point you're not aggravated or frustrated anymore, you just go... It's just the way it is. This is never, ever going to get better until somebody comes along and says, hey, would you take my hand? And as he looks at that hand there, he has a decision to make. Before I get there, it comes to mind right now, this, this thought. Do you know people, this may not be you today, you might be here at church today going, no, I'm, I'm actually good right now. God's done some things. I've got vibrancy, energy in my life. But you know people like this that are stuck you're going, what's wrong with my, my daughter? What's wrong with my kid? What's wrong with my spouse? How come they don't see this? And you start to think, we don't write people off in a sense of being judgmental and go, they're just jerks, they're idiots, they're stupid. Well, we might think that. We would never say that. But, um, <laughs> but we've just, when we've seen people that have been stuck for a long time in something, this is not like stuck for a week or two or a month or two or even a year or two. When this has been a decade of this, you just think, I just, that's just the way it is. There's nothing we can do here. Write this down. The good news of the message of Jesus Christ is this. If they're not dead, they're not done. Look, I'm <laughs> not going to embarrass him because he's sitting right towards the front of the house today. But here's a guy who was lame, done. I mean, he was a disaster. He still is kind of a disaster. This is some of your story. A mess in your life. And just a couple years ago, uh, at, at later stages of life, he's not a young guy anymore. Becomes a Christian, gets baptized here. See, I'm telling you right now, it might seem hopeless right now. Because it might be day 9,248, and it might be not till day 19,365 anything happens for them. There are stories, guys, right now. I'm telling you, I listen to podcasts and broadcast these guys of these, these Christians, these Moravian Christians, a little small little band of Christians. That got, they're, we're going to pray for God to do something and move. You know how long they prayed for God to do something and move in their country? 40 years. And they were praying. They don't pray like Californians pray. They were praying every single day gathering together and say, God, would you do something? And they, what the, what they, they go back and trace this in church history it was that movement of prayer that unleashed a whole movement of missions that didn't just impact and help their country. It sent missionaries and the gospel of Jesus all over the world. 
God's time frame is not like our time frame. And like I said, Jesus walked by this guy a few times. I don't know why he didn't heal him. Where's the compassion of Jesus that he wouldn't heal that guy? Why does the guy have to wait another two or three or four years of being stuck there? I don't know. But sometimes if they're not dead, they're not done. So Peter and John said, we don't have a silver or gold for the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And they put a hand out. And then the guy looks down there. And here's where you have a moment to climb inside the story. He, they, they put their hand out. And they, they think he looks down in their hand and goes, there's nothing in there. Forget you guys. He, that's the moment. That's what you can do here. When we say, look, I don't have anything for you. Would you just take my empty hand and let me help you up? There, there's no miracle sometimes laying there in the ground. We're telling you today, would you take our hand? We're, we're, the, we're people here. We are imperfect people. We are, don't have our, all of our stuff together yet. And if you think we do, you haven't been here long enough. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, we... Would you take somebody's hand? I'm so tired of being paralyzed in my faith, paralyzed in my spirituality, paralyzed in this stuff that I've just gotten so used to and think it's just the way it's going to be. Would you take somebody's hand and say, let's rise up and walk? He has that moment, that opportunity there, and he has to run on their faith. This is what people do sometimes. They don't run on their own faith yet because he doesn't have any yet. But what you could do is I'll take somebody's hand and let them help me up. Or you can stay stuck there and just stay paralyzed outside the gate and just go, it's just the way it is. There's a real decision to make there. But he takes this, he takes Peter's hand, Fred does, and he gets up on his feet. And I want you to see this here. He, he's, he's down there on the ground and all of a sudden he helps him up and he has to really help him up. He's not like being able to move anything here yet. He's just helping him up and getting him on his feet and all of a sudden, and Peter lets go. Hey, hey. <laughs> you ever see little babies when they're first learning to walk? They grab onto something. And, and he takes a step for the first time in his life. And then he lets go. And then he starts getting crazy at church. He starts jumping up and down and like, jumping up and running down and raising havoc in the church. And some of you guys going, you look kind of ridiculous doing that. Yeah, I've seen how you guys act. I've heard a dumb guy, men in, in tight pants get a ball across the line. You go crazy about that stuff. Here's a guy who's just been healed for 40 plus years. He was lame and crippled and he's acting the fool at church. Some of you come to church sometimes and you see the worship team, you see people at church here close their eyes and raise their hands and you go, what's wrong with you people? We're going, you haven't got it yet. Once that gets in your heart and your soul, you go, we look a little stupid and crazy because we haven't got over the fact that we were that cripple outside the gate, paralyzed, broken in our sin, and Jesus came along and said, rise up and walk, and it happened, and we're alive again. And it says they're, they're holding tightly to James and he's holding tightly to James and John like he's just so, like he's not going to leave these guys because he's so excited about hanging on to these guys and he's astounded 
The, the people there in the temple are astounded about what's going on. And the reason they're astounded because this didn't happen all the time at church. This some crazy spirit breakthrough kind of things are happening there. And I, guys, I'm telling you right now, I read this this last couple of weeks. And I go, man, I want this for our church. I, I want to see people here who have been just stuck and paralyzed. Even those of you that have been telling us you're fine for way too long right now. To take our hand and say, let's rise up. Let's go. Let's walk. Let's, let's, let's get after this thing. And what we're telling you today, we don't have a whole lot of sophisticated strategy, sophisticated material resources to help keep you comfortable outside the gate. We are going to tell you we do have what you need. In the name of Jesus, rise, rise up and, and walk. And what I want to see here, I want to see some things happen here at our little kingdom outpost here called Cross Point Church in our community here. Some things that, could, that would happen, we could go, there was no way that could be because of a message. No way it could be because of great sound and great bands and great strategy. It could be like, that was just the Spirit of God just went bam and did something that day. I want to see that happen. Maybe you're that person. Maybe the person you're hearing, hmm, you're sensing something right now in your heart and your spirit right now. Something in your heart going, God, I don't know what that is, but damn, I want that. I want that. I want this so bad. Take my hand. Take our hand and say, let's go. Let's rise up and walk. A couple months ago, I was taking a walk back here on Del Rio Road, just thinking and praying and about some stuff. Uh, I can't tell you all the details. There's a guy who years ago knew about our church, and there may be at some point with his business and stuff like that some big financial windfall that Crosspoint Church may get. We don't know. So I was just praying about that, asking God, man, can you work out the details of that? That'd be awesome, because it could be over a million dollars. Like, man, a million dollars, let's go. But I had a moment there walking with God going, God, but here's the deal. If it comes down to it, a million dollars or a fresh outpouring of your wisdom and your spirit on, and power on our church, keep the money. Yeah. Keep the money, God. And I'm, see, it's easy, to, it's easy to say that when there's not a real possibility of a million dollars out there. <laughs> then it's like, uh, well, you know, maybe just a little less of spirit. And, some, and I did, just so you guys know, I'm a real human being. I told God, I said, if you want to do both, we're good for that too. <laughs> <laughs> It's the Solomon prayer, man. God gave him wisdom and, and all over the place. So we're, we're saying yes to all of it. Thomas Aquinas was a famous philosopher, theologian in the 1200s. Uh, he's written all kinds of stuff people are still reading today. Uh, and he was having a conversation. It's recounted one day with the Pope at that point. And the Pope was talking to Thomas Aquinas and saying, uh, commenting on these verses, silver and gold have I none in here. He says, Thomas... Look at us, the church of Jesus Christ. We no longer have to say silver and gold have I none because at that point in the 1200s, you've been to the Vatican and seen the Vatican? The, the, the church was fabulously wealthy, had all this stuff. So no longer do we have to say silver and gold have I none, to which Thomas replied, but neither do we also get to say rise up and walk. Because the power is gone. You get too much sophisticated material resources and all that kind of stuff. The, the danger is you start to rely on on fleshly stuff. You start to rely on the natural resources of just your sophisticated strategy, amazing communication by some communicator up here, the amazing band and the music and all that kind of stuff, or all your material resources of build a fantastic campus somewhere and think that's what it'll take. What if it could just be like silver and gold? Well, our message to you as the, cross, as the Temecula community that we're a part of, we don't have any silver and gold for you today. What we do have it says to you that are paralyzed in your marriage, paralyzed by addiction, paralyzed in your family, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what happened that day at church. And when you 
When you rise up and walk, you'll see the last, one of the last headings there is let's jump. Let's get excited about this. But once God tells you, heals you, and tells you to get up, write this down today. Stay up. Look, I've been doing this now for a lot of years, 30-ish years. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again where, man, God steps into a marriage, God steps into somebody's life spiritually, delivers them, provides, they, they get up and he's healed them and they, they're good again. And a year or two later, you look back and go, what are you doing sitting outside the temple with that cup again? You know why they do it? Because it's what I know how to do. When you've been stuck in brokenness for a long time, been stuck in false religions, you've been stuck in a messed up situation, whatever it might be that you're stuck in, sometimes it's easier to go back and do that because here's the deal with Fred that day. No longer is Fred going to sit outside the gate and get money. What he has to do? Get a job. He's, he's got freedom now. He has power. He has, he, God's healed him. You got to go do some things now. And sometimes it's easier to go, look, I'm just going to go back to the drinking, back to the spending, back to the bad communication, bad to the workaholism, bad to all that stuff. And God goes, no, you're up, stay up. Be, be excited about this. And this is, uh, this is what's exciting here too. I, I watch you guys here at Crosspoint when we see people get baptized here. This is, a, this is a, what's happening here is somebody who was paralyzed is now healed. And, you know, I... In some places you go and do that. I, don't, I haven't been to a lot of other churches than this one in the last few years because that's what I do here. But, uh, oh, baptism happens like, oh, cool, awesome, yeah. Not here, man. There's times we'll have noisemakers and we throw stuff um, in here because of what's happening here. What, the significant miracle that happens when somebody gets baptized is they were paralyzed, dead, broken in their sin, and Jesus came and said, rise up and walk. Because he rose up and walked out of that grave 2,000 years ago. And this is where the whole story is here. This is the gospel in this story. Is that we were people, all of us. No matter, no matter what kind of system you were raised in. Whether you were raised with no Christian background, no church background at all. Or you were like I was, kind of born and raised in church. Like born in the pew and they just kept you there your whole life. I don't know. Wherever you were. All of us. Unrighteous or self-righteous, rebellious, or religious were dead, paralyzed outside the gate, outside the temple, which is where back then the analogy here is where a relationship with God was possible. That was all cut off from us. And the gospel says, hey, I don't have anything. I'm not interested in keeping you comfortable outside the gate. What I want to tell you is rise up and walk. And you see how the story ends? Guess where the guy is now? Did you see it? He's in the temple. In the temple, acting a fool in the temple. It's beautiful, amazing. The band's going to come up. Some questions for you today to think about. Where do I need to pay attention? This is some take-home stuff. Where, where's some stuff where, man, I've just been distracted? Do I need to get my Bible out again? I, I was talking, I listened to a guy's podcast who said it is, he's a church in, uh, in Portland and so one of the things that they've seen where people grew in their faith was they stopped, they kept their phones away from them, and the first thing they did in the morning was have the Bible out and read it for five minutes. First thing. Got the Bible out for five minutes. And just that simple act of just getting the Bible in there first, not as a religious ritual, but like, man, life happened because it helped me 
pay attention. I was, I was paying attention to Jesus first, not looking at the updates to my uh, Instagram, to my TikTok account. If you're over 40, have a TikTok account, stop it. Um, <laughs> I think all of you should stop it, but that's a whole different rant for a different day. Where, where, where are the distractions? Where, where do I need to get more focused and pay attention? And then, I just know this today. Sitting here in the church and outside the walls of this church in all the webs of relationships you have, there are people that are crippled. And they don't look crippled. They don't look a mess. But they're a mess. What they need is somebody to go, hey, all I have for you is Jesus. But if you take my hand, I'll walk with you and I'll help you up. Who's that person going to be for you? Who's that going to be? We're going to give you a chance today to sing some songs here in, in the house and fill this place up, to act a fool a little bit during worship and sing out. We, every week here at Crosspoint, give you an opportunity to come and receive what the Bible calls communion. It's a, a little wafer of, of bread in a, uh, in a container, and there's a little juice in there as well. The directions are there. It's in the four corners of the room. The reason we do this every single week is say the only power we have to tell people rise up and walk is not because we're so amazing and we're so great. The only power we have is because of what happened in those few hours on the cross 22,000 years ago in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus and Jesus tells us look you guys are going to get distracted you're going to get all focused on all kinds of issues out there even good things out there that become distractions for you don't forget me only power you have is in the gospel the death and resurrection of Jesus that's what the bread and the juice symbolize for us the bread represents his body the juice represents his blood. And for those of you that are newer today, wonder why everybody get up and walking around. We're not leaving, but they're going to those little places to get communion and bring it back to your seat. So Jesus, today, what do you want to say to us? God, my prayers would be encouraged today, that you bring a greater level of focus today. God, I don't know who it is today, but in my heart today, I know there's at least a couple of people so bad they just want to get up and walk. Help them take our hand. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.